Genesis chapter 41, verse, uh, oh, probably 51, 52. Have you ever wondered, how can I be in heaven and be happy? How could I be in heaven, or you be in heaven, and be happy knowing that maybe a son or a daughter or a mother or father or a close friend are in hell? Or possibly have blown the Christian life. Maybe they were saved as by fire. And there will be people saved as by fire. I mean, just just saved, but no reward in heaven. That's, that's not something you will want. It has often been voiced when I've been dealing with someone about Christ, it's usually a widow or a widower, they will hesitate to trust in Christ knowing that their mate, whether it be he or she, have died without Christ. I've had them actually stop right at the moment where I'm saying, would you like to trust Christ as your personal Savior? And they look at me and go, I would, but what about my husband? He died without Christ. I said, you can't worry about your husband. Your husband made his own decisions. Every man stands accountable for their own decisions. You cannot live for somebody else. I mean, you, you, they have to make their own choice, and they made it. But I can tell you this, your husband would want you to be saved. Now, I have authority on that. Luke chapter uh, 16, 15, 16, where the rich man in hell lifted up his eyes being in torments and he cared about his brothers. Would you send Lazarus back for my brothers? My five brothers would not come into this place. So everybody that's died and gone to hell is rooting for you and for me to get the word out. And to beg him by the grace of God not to go there. That's why, what keeps, people have asked me, what keeps, uh, what keeps you zealous, preacher? What keeps you, what keeps you fired up for evangelism? I'll tell you what keeps me fired up for evangelism. Evangelism is all the voices from hell. So, they can't even imagine, the widow or widower can't imagine a life without their mate, and now they can't even imagine an eternity without their mate. They can't imagine their mate suffering in punishment and them being in heaven. How could heaven be heaven? And well, that's a good question. I think that's a legitimate question. How could heaven be heaven? I believe there is an answer to this hard question given, us, given to us in the Bible, and of all people given to us by Joseph. How did Joseph cope with, in essence, losing his whole family? Now, he lost his mom, dad, brothers, his brothers. He lost his brothers. His brothers lost him. Let me give you a little background of Joseph. Most of you know this well-traveled area, but it's important we go back and mull over this again. Joseph a child of Jacob, a favored child. I think there's a lesson in that, not to favor your children. 
one over another. Joseph was favored by his daddy. Daddy gave him a coat of many colors. And he didn't give the rest of the boys coats of many colors. And he kind of favored him being the baby. I was the baby of the family. I was accused of being favored by my two brothers. It was a lie. (laughs) What it amounts to is by the time mom and dad have their last child, they know how to raise children. The first two they were experimenting on. And by the time you get to be the baby, you get the best of everything. First of all, they got more money. They got a boat, lake lot, and the first two didn't have that, and they're jealous. It's just pure jealousy. But nevertheless, I mean, no doubt, no doubt, Joseph was uh, somewhat of a spoiled boy, given that coat of many colors. And, of course, God began to deal with Joseph early on with dreams. He had these dreams, and I think he was really unwise telling these older brothers, I've had a dream that you're going to bow down and be in subjection to me. Hello. Probably should have kept that to yourself. But his brothers got upset about that and sold him into slavery. Sold him as a slave. At 13 years old. The people who bought him were cruel people. Cruel how do I know that? Bible. Psalm 105, 17 and 19 says, He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. They put iron fetters on him, which would, of course, break the skin and create sore, unbelievably sore places that they would move around with. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. Speaking of Joseph. So some indication of his suffering was voiced also by his brothers. We see that little piece of information in Genesis chapter 42, verses 21 and 22, and I'll read it. And they said one to another, We are verily guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his soul. In other words, when... When they, when they, when this, um, these people came by, and they, and the brothers began to negotiate selling him. I mean, he was hearing all of that. He was getting an idea that they were getting ready to sell him into slavery, and he began to negotiate. I mean, he he probably used every ability he had to try to convince them not to do that. We saw the anguish of his soul. When he besought us, and we would not hear, therefore is this distress come upon us. So Joseph, we know, suffered deeply and prolonged. There's no possibility to get into the head of Joseph and feel what he felt. There's not possible. We can only try to imagine what it would be like to be almost hopeless. Because once you were sold into slavery, you were just a piece of material. They could kill you, not kill you. They could do whatever they they could abuse you any way they wanted to. They could do anything they wanted. You were a, you were a piece of material. And as you know the story, pretty much of Joseph, but I'll repeat it for those who don't. His physical suffering were matched maybe by his emotional sufferings. I believe more so. He he was sold into a man called Potiphar, and he did well. It's interesting, the Bible says God was with him. When I first read that as a young man, 
I said, oh, God, would you be with me like you've been with Joseph? I said that. I began to pray that. See, people say, what do you pray for, preacher? You, you learn what to pray for by reading the Bible. You read the Bible, you get, like, hints. It would be real good to pray for the stuff that Joseph prayed for. Lord God, Lord God, give you were with Joseph. Please be with me like that. And so... He went to Potiphar's house. He was exalted to the number one guy. Potiphar didn't even know what went on in his house. The only thing sacred to him, different between Joseph and Potiphar, was, his, was Potiphar's wife. She ended up being a bad woman, accusing him of doing bad things. Tried, by the way, the Bible says day by day she asked him to have sex with her. Now, she probably was no ugly old thing. You know, Egyptians were highly painted women. And they, uh, man, he's, and he was, by the way, a single young man. I'm going to say age-wise, he was probably 26, 24, 25, 26, prime of his life. He said, no, I can't do that. I can't sin against God. He had a relationship with God during that period of time. What? So, obviously, uh, she grabbed his coat, he ran. And by the way, the only, it's not the time to pray when you're in that kind of temptation. It's the time to run. There's a time when prayer is not appropriate. Running is appropriate. Because you don't have enough strength. If you stall around, you're going down. And so he didn't stall around, man. He split, and they accused him falsely of trying to have relationships with Potiphar's wife. Potiphar believed his wife over Joseph. And he went back to prison. Here he is again in prison. Bible said in prison, God blessed him. In prison, God blessed him. Now again, I pray, oh God, bless me like Joseph. Even if I go to prison, I'm gonna have a great prison ministry. Amen. If I go to, if I, I like what Nick said when, when you had what you had happened to you. I wanna be the best person ever had this. That's a great attitude. And uh, I don't want it, but if I got to have it, I want to be the best person that ever had it. And he didn't want to be in prison, but he was. And he made the best of his situation. He was in prison. One thing he understood was there was a God in heaven that could prevent it, but didn't. So he ends up in prison. He meets a cupbearer and a baker of Pharaoh. He interprets a dream for him. They say, would you please remember? He says, would you please remember me before Pharaoh? Nah, boys. It's like people going home on Sunday afternoon, and the woman asks the husband, what was that sermon on? The husband goes, I think it was on the Bible, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I get it. I get it. That's why, I, that's why I do crazy stuff up here. I want you to go back and say, yeah, the preacher, man, can you believe he said that? Well, at least you remember something. Those boys didn't remember him. They didn't remember him. They went back. One of them got killed. He couldn't remember him anyway. He got killed. The other one was promoted back to his job. And they don't remember. Two years go by. Two years? You say, two years, preacher. That isn't that long. Well, it is when you're in prison, amen? I've been sick recently, and I can tell you, when you get sick, time slows down, amen, fireman? Oh, my, my time slows down. The days go minute by minute, day by day, and it slows down when you get sick or you're in pain. Oh, when you're having fun, you're out there catching grouper, man, one right after another. Boom, it's dark already. <laughs> the captain comes, always wants to go home early. 
It's like, man, we just, no, man, we got to go. I don't know why that is, but that's the way life is. When you're having fun, time goes, woo. But when you're in pain, time woo, slows down. So when I say that our brother Joseph was in prison and a slave for 17 years, that is a long time. 17 years as a slave is a long time. I'm, I'm setting up some. Most bitter people that I know, and I know a lot of bitter people. There's bitter people in this auditorium. How do I know they're bitter? Because I just called them bitter. Now they are bitter. Because <laughs> they're thinking, you're talking about me, preacher? I don't know, am I? Bitterness is usually the most denied sin out there. You go to somebody that you know is bitter by their actions, and you say you're bitter, and you say, oh, I'm not bitter. I'm just hurt, preacher. I'm just hurt. I'm just hurt. No, you're bitter. Oh, I'm not bitter, preacher. But I'm going to be bitter if you say it one more time. <laughs> Most bitter people I know have not suffered a fraction of what Joseph suffered. Would you say amen to that? Let's be like a black church. Let me, let me try to help you out. Not a Nobody I know has suffered a fraction like Joseph has suffered, and God's people said. Yeah. That's all. What's, what, are, what are some symptoms of bitter people? I'm going to give you some. Thank you, preacher. Number one, sad of countenance. Jackie Gleason used to play the poor soul. Y'all remember, how many remember the poor soul? Isn't that, wasn't he good at that? He mastered the poor soul. He'd kind of walk around. He did a whole deal on the poor soul. It was beautiful, phenomenal. I see people like that in real life. Just overall, they're sad countenance. Now, that's not the only Symptom. Okay, you can be sad of countenance and not bitter is what I'm trying to say, but you also can be bitter and a symptom of it being sad of countenance. You with me? Sorrowful of spirit. Now, not every person sorrowful of spirit is bitter, but you can be bitter and have that as a symptom. De-energized. De-energized. Nothing will de-energize you like a bitter spirit. Downhearted, disappointed in life. Disappointed in life. Feel that you were in this grand thing called life. Some have likened it to a poker game. And you were dealt a bad hand by God. God just dealt you a bad hand. And you, you kind of go through life thinking, you know, so-and-so, man, they got... They got all the aces and queens and kings, and I got these twos and threes. But not Joseph. If anybody could have walked up in front of this group of people and said, man, I was dealt a bad hand from 13 years old to 30 years old. I was dealt a really bad hand in life. Remember, he did not know he was going to be delivered. He did not know that he would be the second in command of the greatest nation in the world. He did not know 
that God was going to raise him up to save a multitude of people from starving to death, including his own father, which he didn't think he'd ever see again. And his sweet brothers. Let me read you Genesis chapter 45 and verse 4 through 8. And Joseph said unto his brethren, this is after they had come down to Egypt for food, and, and uh, he makes himself known to him. And he said, and Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now, at that moment, they got to be scared. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. He didn't let them off. They did it. But I want you to notice in these next few verses, three times he refers to God. Number one, in verse five, he says, for God did send me before you to preserve life. You ought to circle that. For these two years after famine had been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. And verse seven, the second time, for God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And the third time, verse 8, so now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler among all the land of Egypt. I believe you need to get this straight. Because if you get this straight, you can be free of bitterness and a sad countenance all of your life, no matter what happens to you. You just have to remember who does what. That's simple, isn't it? Who does what? You're blaming maybe your brother, your sister, your neighbor, your aunt, your uncle, your, your, your grandfather did whatever, abused you, misused you, da 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 Stop it! Clearly in mind, the Bible says in Philippians, if you want to look it up, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it is God that worketh in you both to willing to do his good pleasure. Now, God is not for evil. God's not for wickedness, and he don't do that. But in the big picture, it is allowed. Do you have cancer? God allowed it. Are you sick? God allowed it. Have you been forsaken? God allowed it. Have you been betrayed? God allowed it. Are you broke? We may be having a coming Black Tuesday. Don't be going around crying on my shoulder. I told you. Could be a Black Tuesday coming. Printing money like it's free. And there are consequences for those actions. And so if you go broke, well, we had the last Black Tuesday. I had people come and tell me I lost everything. Lost my all 401k. It's gone. It's gone. It would disappear. It evaporated. And I'm like, wow, you should have bought a Harley Davidson at least. <laughs> had something parked in the yard. I'm not talking here about consequences for our sins. But I'm talking about God's sovereign choice for your life. Do you discern the difference between those two things? I believe there's a huge difference between these two things. 
Choices you make about sin will each one have an outcome. Encapsulated within every sin are the consequences. So when you take the sin pill and eat it, you eat the little tiny time capsules of consequences. Okay? Joseph did not do that. We're talking about sovereign choice of God wasn't based on his sin, was just based on God's will for his life. Sins, of course, change outcomes. Um, but what we're talking about here is not related to sin. What I'm talking about this morning is just life direction changes that God decides for you. Let me start with this. God wants you, maybe God wants you single. Don't spend all your time pining away to get married. Embrace it. Maybe God wants you poor. Embrace it. Maybe God wants your family. Take your family from you. I'm talking about take them from you. It happened to Joseph. He embraced it. Maybe God wants you to be a victim. Joseph was. He was a victim. Embrace it. Maybe God wants to take 17 years of your life away. In prison. For something you never did. Embrace it. Joseph suffered. He suffered long. He suffered hard. He suffered deep. He suffered often. But he trusted in God's goodness to work it all out. No matter what God did, he was not going to blame God. He was not going to allow himself to get depressed, sink into self-pity, quit working. Wherever he went, he was a worker. He prospered, and God worked through him. He must have had a good attitude, because had he not had a good attitude, Potiphar would have never put him up in a position of management like that. They would have picked that up and said, oh, he's a loser. He evidently portrayed the fact that he was a can-do guy. I'll get her done. I like old Chris Barrows. I like him as a person. It's nice to work with somebody you like. But one thing I like about Chris is when I say something, he says, I'm on it. I'll get her done. You don't have to worry about it, preacher. You can take it off your, off, your, off your radar. He don't say that, but I mean, I just did that for you. Take it off your radar. That's Nick's. If, if your funeral, brother, I'm going to talk. He's always had a good statement. Take it off your radar. That's not even on my radar. I like that. I like that whole can-do, get her done, I can handle it. We're going to go over the problems. We're not going to go under them. We're going to win. We're not going to lose. I'm not talking about cheap, positive thinking. I'm talking about trusting in God. I'm positive about God. I am positive about this book. I am sure that this book is going to last for all eternity. I'm sure it's settled in heaven. I'm sure that those people that follow it are going to do good. You can, that I do not believe is just positive thinking, you know, like this positive imaging thing. That's wrong. That's new age stuff. I went to a guy's house one time, fairly poor guy, and he had this big yacht, this big like 80-foot yacht on his refrigerator. And I said, I looked at it, took a look at it. You know, I was looking, if I come in your house, I'm snooping around. 
And I, I get in there and I eyeball that. I'm, I'm, I notice stuff, by the way, and remember it. So, I mean, I'm sorry. But I got in there and I looked at that big, that big 84-foot bad boy, and I go, that's like three, two, three million dollar deal right there. This guy's relatively poor living in, I got to be careful if I say any more, he'll know who I'm talking about. So he lived in some neighborhood. So no, it was not, no. Nevertheless, uh, I said to him, I said, what's that on your refrigerator for? And he goes, I'm positive imaging. I said, you're positive what? He says, if I positive image, someday I'm going to get that boat. I said, you've been listening to Oral Roberts too much, man. Turn it off. Positive imaging. First of all, if you had a boat that big, you wouldn't know how to run it. And you'd have to have a crew to run it. And a big wad of money because a boat's a black hole in which to pour money. And everybody owns a boat set. I like that. Let's go in Genesis chapter 41. By the way, verse uh, 51, 52, this is our text verse. That was introduction. <laughs> and Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh, for God said, he hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. I got to stop there. That's our text. That's what this is all about. God has made me forget all my toil. And I like this. All my father's house. Joseph did say, oh, oh, my mama, my daddy, my brother, sister, they're not living in the same town. I haven't seen them. I've only Skyped 365 days with them. There was no Skype, there was no Zoom, there was no none of that. And you know what he said? He said, God caused me to forget about it. If I forget about it. He just caused me to forget about him. He, my toil, my trouble, he caused me just to forget about it. God has, in his mercy, because you're not going to be good to anybody, including yourself, if you're pining away on stuff. Going around every day sucking your thumb or, oh, I just don't, can't live another day without seeing my daughter. Or, yes, you can. I can't live another day without seeing my mom and dad. Oh, yes, you can. My dad died in 2001. I haven't seen him for 20 years, and I'm doing good. I'd love to see the guy. It'd be great. But he wants me to go on, do well. That's the answer right there. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in my affliction. I think you need to get this and get this good and let it sink deep down in your ears and in your long-term memory. God has the ability and is willing to make you forget all your toil and all your losses. In some measure here, but in the greatest measure in heaven, Isaiah chapter 65, I'm coming to a close, 65, 17. It says, Behold, I make, I create new heavens and new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. 
But, you, but be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. For I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her nor the voice of crying. How can that be if God doesn't wipe the memory of the bad stuff away? You're not going to be in heaven thinking about your mate. Or thinking about your father not being there, dad not being there, mother not being there. You're not going to pine. You're not. Because heaven could not be heaven if you kept remembering that stuff. Because you'd be over in the corner crying. I'm glad you're so happily married that your wife would miss you that much. Amen. I've I've had a program in my marriage to make it to where my wife doesn't pine away when I die. It's working. Revelation 21.4, Revelation 21.4 says, this is just uh, uh, to encourage you in, in this, uh, where it says Isaiah 65, it repeats in New Testament in 21.4, where it says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Heaven could only be heaven if that was true. God must cause the painful memories of this world to be gone. I'm going to give you an illustration how it just happened to me in this world. We have a doctor present, doctor present. I'm sitting in pre-op. By the way, when you're in pre-op, how many pre-op you're nervous? I am nervous and very strip you, first of all, your clothes. I don't like to be around naked. They give you this little thing open in the back. I mean, what in the world? But anyway, you're in pre-op humiliated. I mean, my legs haven't seen the sun in so long, they look like cadaver legs. I'm afraid they were going to haul me away. That's the truth. But I'm sitting there humiliated, waiting to get cut on and going to pain. I'm feeling perfectly fine. I'm wondering, why, did I, why am I doing this? All I got is melanoma, that's all. And I mean... I'm sitting there, and the doctor comes in. By the way, this Ritter, born-again Christian, prayed with him. He prayed with me. They had a thing already in my arm. And then I woke up in pre-op, post-op. I'm telling you the truth. I was laying in bed pretty well up like this. And all of a sudden, after I got done praying with him, I woke up in post-op with a big old bandage on my side of my face. I go, wait, what, what, what happened? What happened? I, I just remember finished praying with the doctor. Oh, the nurse said, it's all done. It's all over. I said, what? I asked the anesthesiologist. He says, oh, we like you to have a happy experience. So we give you this stuff who causes you not to remember. They got a drug, folks, that they give you that you don't remember a lousy thing, nothing like it didn't happen. Now, I don't know what I said because I was awake during that time and I talked during that time and I, they moved me around, got me on the operating table, you know, put your head down and strap you down and do all that stuff, put that stuff in. Now, I'm sure I was answering questions and talking. Doc, you know how I go, what in the world did I say? <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I worry about what I say when I'm conscious. 
What in the world did I say when I was not there? I said, was I Christian at all? I come from a cussing family, man. I said, oh, no. They wouldn't say a word. They wouldn't say a word. They were just like, Kind of like we know stuff about you that we never believed as a preacher. I can't believe a preacher talked like that. I, I tell you that to tell you if men can do that, how much more can God do that? I believe what Joseph said way back in Genesis. God hath made me to forget all my toil in my father's house so that he could go on and live and do right and prosper. Don't you let your abuser, whoever or whatever it may be, ruin the life you have now. Don't let them have power over what's going on now. You don't have to. You can always go back to Joseph and say, Joseph, if you can make it, I can make it. If, you can, if God can help you forget, God can help me forget. If you can be positive and an asset to people around you, even after all the tragedy happened just to you, I believe I can be positive and I can be an asset to people around me, even with the tragedy that's happened to me. And brother and sister in Christ, God, Bible says two times in the New Testament that the Old Testament was written for our admonition. And I just gave it to you. I admonished you. I believe some, I'm going to get personal here. There's some people sometimes, and especially single people that aren't getting married. You know, things are not like they used to be when I was a kid. It's not like that. They're not getting married, and, and they're hurt, and their feelings are hurt. They feel rejected or whatever. They feel strange or odd, or other people are getting married. They're not. Other people having kids. They're not. Other people, you're not other people. Accept what God dishes out on your plate and eat it and thank him for it. Remember, Joseph didn't get married until he was 30. He was 30 when he got married. 30 years old. And he married a heathen priestess girl of On, the God of On. I wonder how that all worked out. I'd like to talk to him about that. How is it that you married this heathen priest's daughter and he had two kids that worked out? It worked out. Manasseh and Ephraim, they're in the tribes, man. It's big. God can even overcome that. Father, help us this morning. Give us wisdom through this. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our understanding, open our long term memory. That we not let anything that goes on, and we don't know what in the world's going to happen in the future. Nobody does. Nobody ever does. So we just give it to you, and we trust you. If things don't work out the way maybe people think they don't work out, we're just going to trust you. If, if we, like this little kid that was here on Wednesday, this little Joel, 
had a tumor on his bone, ended up being cancer, about lost his leg. Little, little 10-, 12-year-old kid, if, that, if that's one of your kids, or you're not going to go around downhearted and upset at God because he let that happen to your family. You're going to trust God that he's going to use it like he did Joseph. You're going to make it for good. It was a preacher's kid, by the way. Bad things happen to God's people just like it happened to the world. Same kind of stuff happened to us, happened to them. We get cancer, we get automobile accidents. Uh, there, there are bad things happen to us in every direction. The question is how they handle it and how we handle it. I hope you'll go to God with it. I hope you just lay it on the altar and say it's all yours. And then, by the way, you may want to pick it up, lay it back down. Every time you pick it up, lay it back down, lay it back down. Embrace it. Make it yours. Jesus, please help some people today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.